Well, if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're so glad you're here today. We honor you for coming to church. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 7. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 7. How many brought your Bibles? Good. Thank you for bringing your sword to the battleground. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Notice what it says. For God... Everybody say God. Everybody say God. You know, he's a pretty good guy. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and sound mind. Uh, on Sunday mornings, I've been teaching on the subject, uh, uh, on a subject that has touched every one of us in the last six or seven months, and that subject is fear. Uh, a lot of people, you know, because of COVID, we have two issues now in America. We've got COVID, which is a major issue, a very serious and a real thing, and then we've got fear. And they're two major issues, but they're two entirely different issues. So I'd like to try to finish this lesson on fear. And I'd like to entitle this one, The God Vaccine for Fear. Turn me down just a little bit, would you? I'd like to entitle this, The God Vaccine for Fear. I don't know if you heard it, uh, but this week the Presidential Task Force reported that three major pharmaceutical companies are working together in collaboration. That's unusual for companies to work together. They're often in competition with one another. But the Presidential Task Force uh, reported that three major pharmaceutical companies are working together around the clock for a vaccine for COVID. And they are projecting to have this vaccine by the end of the year. And if they have it by the end of the year, they expect to have 100 million doses of the vaccine available by the beginning of 2021. 100 million doses of the vaccine available by 2021. Now you have to understand, in America there's close to 400 million people who call America home. So that's not enough vaccines to vaccinate everybody. So the Presidential Task Force tells us that the most vulnerable citizens will be first to receive the vaccination. The medical community, the medical community understand that a vaccine is desperately needed to stop the spread of COVID and protect the citizens of the world. According to the CDC, Centers for Disease Control, vaccination is one of the most effective ways to prevent diseases according to the World Health Organization and the CDCs. Now, regardless of where you are personally or publicly or politically on vaccinations, because we have people that's on both sides of the fence, don't believe in them, we have people that believe in them. Regardless of where you are, regardless of where you are, privately or politically or personally on vaccinations, there are some vaccines that have been invented that have eradicated some diseases that we know about. Almost eradicated. Some diseases will never be eradicated, but at least they've been stopped. And some of them you know about. For example, mumps. Mumps is one of those diseases. The whooping cough. The whooping cough is a disease that the vaccination has almost, it's unheard of nowadays. Measles. Because of vaccination, measles has been stopped in America. Rubella. Tetanus. Anybody ever, anybody ever stepped, stepped on a nail and you had to get one of those tetanus shots? You know before, if you stepped on a nail, you were dead. 
You just died. You might as well go and get your funeral home picked out. Why? Because that infection called tetanus, there was no vaccination. Now, we step on a nail, or we go every once in a while and get a tetanus shot, it keeps that infection from spreading in our body if it gets in us. That happened. We don't have to deal with tetanus now because of vaccinations. Here And here's the one that all of us know, polio. Polio has almost been eradicated, off the, especially in America, because of the development of vaccinations. These are just a few well-known diseases which have almost disappeared because of vaccination. And until a vaccination is offered, our quality of life in the United States of America will continue to be affected. And I know some wonderful people who still have not ventured out of their homes because of the fear of this terrible virus. They've never received, they haven't been infected with the virus, they haven't been exposed to anyone with the virus, but because of the fear of getting it, they're not even getting out of their homes. And and everybody has to do what they have to do personally, but we have to make sure that we're not being driven by fear. There's one thing to have a healthy fear of a virus, there's another thing to be broken and, and put in a bondage because of the fear of a virus. So on Sunday mornings, we've been teaching on the spirit of fear. And here's what we've got to understand, and here's what I want you to understand today. Since fear is a spirit, remember what he said in 2 Timothy 1.7? For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Since fear is a spirit The vaccination which eradicates it is not developed or formulated by medical science. Did you hear me? Since fear is a spirit that's paralyzing and breaking people right now, the vaccination that fights against that cannot be something that comes from a medicine bottle. You cannot fight spiritual battles with natural means. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Look over 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 3. Notice what it says. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not natural weapons. In other words, he says, if you're fighting a spiritual battle, you've got to use spiritual weapons. You can't fight a spiritual battle with natural weapons. Weapons, And I encounter individuals each and every day who are being attacked by the spirit of fear. And since, now here's what's important here. Since the spirit of fear causes tormenting effects in our body, then we in turn look to medication to eradicate it. And today in America, and Tennessee leads the United States of America... Tennessee, we have millions of people who are addicted to medication to try to fight these symptoms in their body that's been caused by a spirit of fear. And today we have people addicted to this medication. And it is calming. See, medication will calm the symptoms But it does not eradicate the root cause. 
Because we cannot fight a spiritual battle with a physical weapon. God has not given us a spirit. Remember, it's a spirit of fear. But power, love, and sound mind. Here's something I want you to hear because we often, people often criticize us of things that are not true. But hear this. Medication is good. Medication is wonderful. It's tremendous. Medication calms our body's reaction to fear. But medication does not eradicate fear. Okay? Medication is good. If you need medication, if your doctor prescribes medication, then you need to be on medication. You take it religiously, you take it faithfully, you take it as prescribed. But understand that medication, when it comes to panic, when it comes to anxiety, when it comes to fear, medication only calms our body's reaction to fear, but medication does not eradicate fear. So what we have, we have a bunch of people addicted to these medications, but it's not hitting the root cause, which is a spiritual problem, which is the spirit of fear. Now, I've shared some key truths with you, and I'm not going to teach on them again because I get sidetracked on all this stuff in review that I, we've, I don't get, ever get through anything. And uh, so let me just read these points that we've already made in this series. Number one, the spirit of fear is not a momentary fright, such as an unexpected loud noise or someone frightening you. The spirit of fear is a demonic force that is paralyzing people with hopelessness and extreme panic. Number two, the spirit of fear is a spirit and must be dealt with spiritually. You cannot deal with the spirit of fear medically. Number three, the spirit of fear is a fear that is imagined and brings torment when the evidence of danger is not real or factual. People just get it worked up in their mind and they believe something that's not true and they're scared to death of it. That's the spirit of fear. It's not real and it's not factual. There is a thing called a healthy fear. Number four, a healthy fear serves as a warning signal for impending danger or a life-threatening situation. That's a healthy fear. A healthy fear serves as a warning signal for impending danger or a life-threatening situation. Number five, a healthy fear triggers the fight or flight response in our life. The fight response causes us to defend ourselves against danger. And the flight response warns us to flee a dangerous situation. Just like when Amanda opened my office door two or three weeks ago and a three-inch frog jumped in my office. The flight response was triggered in Amanda and me. She was in my chair and I was on top of the desk because the flight response took over. All right? A three-inch frog. Fight or fight. Fly. Number six, the spirit of fear does not come from God. I could teach a whole lesson on that. The spirit of fear does not come from God. Number seven, when the spirit of fear attacks us, it manifests. Here's how you can tell if it's a spirit of fear. Anxiety. Panic attacks. Racing thoughts, extreme nervousness, 
and a feeling of losing control. The spirit of fear also manifests in uh, accusation of others and a general irritability that we normally do not possess. People right now feel out of control. And they're irritable, they're angry, they're mad. Good people who normally don't act out that way, and they don't realize it, but this spirit of fear that is trying to consume our world right now. And it's causing people to get mad. You'll have people get mad at you who've never been mad before. You'll, you'll run into angry drivers on the road that you've never run into before. You'll encounter people at work or in the stores who just have an angry disposition. Why? Because it's this spirit of fear. People feel out of control. And the spirit of fear is working on them. Since fear is a spirit, it's a spirit, then we need a vaccination to eliminate it. But we can't get a vaccination in a bottle. Because it's a spirit, and spiritual battles must be fought with spiritual weapons. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. But God informs us in His Word of the three ingredients... That if we'll take consistently and correctly, we can eradicate the spirit of fear in our lives. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power. That's the first thing you've got to understand. You've got to take your ingredient of spiritual power. The word power in the original Greek is the word dunamis, the mighty power of God. It means tremendous power. It's where we get our word dynamite, meaning explosive power. Now, I grew up Pentecostal. I grew up, this is why we, we push our student pastor and our student ministries to go do things, to go to Sky Zone, to go to Skate Center, to go go to bowling, go to ball. See, when I grew up, all of that was sin. Where I grew up, it was all sin. I, I never learned how to skate. I always wanted to skate, but it was all sin. Not because skating was sin, but sinners hang out the skating rink. Bubba and those people hang out at the skating rink. It was all sin. So I never got to do those kind of things. Didn't get to go to the bowling alley. It was sin. Sin at the bowling alley. So, I, you know, once I realized it's not sin. Now, it might be sinful the way you bowl or the way you skate, but it's not sinful. I just, we want our kids to go. We want them to know you can have fun in life and serve Jesus Christ. You can have fun and serve Jesus Christ. And what I've discovered, but what I grew up is all I heard about was the power. Pentecost, well, you need the power. You just need the power of God. You need the power of God. And I heard, and you know what? I heard a lot of preaching on the power. I heard a lot of shouting about the power. I heard a lot of singing about the power. But I didn't see a lot of power. I heard about it, but I didn't see a lot of it. And we've got to understand, the first thing, if you're going to overcome the spirit of fear, you've got to, you and I, when I say you, I'm not preaching at you, I want to include me as well. If we're going to overcome the spirit of fear, the first thing we must have is a firm belief that the power of God already resides on the inside of us. You don't have to pray it up. You don't have to work it up. You don't have to sing it up. 
You don't have to shout it up. You don't have to pray in tongues a long time to get it worked up. The power of God is already resident inside of you. Let me, uh, but here's, here's something else you need to understand about dynamite. When you were dealing, the, we get our word dynamite from the word dunamis, power. The New Testament word power, we get our word dynamite. Before dynamite, we can see the results of dynamite. Dynamite has to be ignited. See, if all you have is some sticks of dynamite in a box, that don't do any good. You've got potential power until somebody ignites it. We've got a lot of Christians walking around who are nothing more than boxes full of potential power and fear is eating their lunch because they've never known how to ignite the dynamite that's on the inside of them. Let, let me help you along this line. Let me, let me help you here for just a second. Turn with me to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Now, let me, let me say this as you're turning over to Luke chapter 10. When the spirit of fear attacks you, or attacks me, and it does. Spirit of fear tries to come on me from time to time. When the spirit of fear attacks us, at that moment, when it comes, it is very frightening. And it is very scary. It makes us nervous. It causes panic. It causes anxiety and the feeling of lose control. When the spirit of fear comes on you, it causes you to feel those things. At that point, when that happens, the feeling of God's dunamis mighty power is usually non-existent. See, this is the reason Christian people get bound by fear. They've heard about the power of God and that God wants them to have power. But when the spirit of fear comes on them, all they feel is the effects of fear. Because God's power is still, it's in them, but it's only potential until they, until they ignite it. And a lot of Christians, because we thought this power is some feeling thing, this Holy Ghost power is some feeling thing, we allow fear because it, we can feel it, we can feel the nervousness, we can feel the pain. When it comes, we think we ain't got no power. We ain't got no power. And you must have a firm belief that regardless of how you feel or how difficult the feelings of fear invade your life, the power of God is resident on the inside of you. By faith, you ignite it. The Bible says we walk by faith, not by feelings, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by So when fear comes on me, when I hear bad news, when I hear a bad report, when I read that the coronavirus uh, cases have jumped in Rutherford County, and the fear comes upon me and said, don't you leave this house. Don't you get out of this house. You hadn't got it yet, but you're next to get it. You're going to get it, and you don't know when you're going to get it. You just better stay put. When that fear comes upon me, at that moment, I have a choice. I can either surrender to those feelings of anxiousness and nervousness, or by faith, I can ignite the power of God, the dunamis inside of me, and overcome the spirit of fear. I can't wait on feelings. I cannot wait on feelings. I can't wait for a prayer meeting to get me worked up. I can't wait to Sunday to get the music team to sing the song I like. I've got to walk by faith and not by sight. 
Now, let me show you how this works. Turn to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Turn over to Luke chapter 10, verse 1. I'm going to read out the New Living Translation. The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in Paris to all the towns and places He planned to visit. In other words, Jesus... Now, you got to remember, Jesus is not saved yet. I mean, He's not died yet. He's not... He's not... He's saved, yeah. He's saved. He's Baptist. Once saved, always saved. So, um, uh, Jesus had not died yet. He had not... Uh, been buried. He's not been resurrected when he wrote this. His disciples were not saved yet. They were not born again because Jesus hadn't paid the price. So there was no way for them to be born again at this point. But Jesus gives them his authority and he sends 36 teams of two out to minister where Jesus didn't have time to get to. That's what the scripture says everywhere that he would have gone. And he sent them out with two missions. Preach the gospel, heal the sick. Preach the gospel, heal the sick. You read Luke chapter 10, he says he sent 36 teams of two out to preach the gospel and to heal the sick. They didn't have no Holy Ghost experience come upon them. All they had was Jesus' word to go do it, and his authority would back them. So they go. We pick it up now in verse number 17. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. Now, that's what the... The, the New Living Translation says, let me read it to you, and here's where we've run into a problem. Let me read it from the King James Version, which Jamie has up there now. The G- King James Version, because most of us grew up on this version, and it's a wonderful version. I still read it. It has a poetic flow to it. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Jesus says, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now that's what the King James Version. See, what the King James Version does is that it translates the word power the same in both places. Behold, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. And what's happened is, we in the Pentecostal, full gospel, charismatic, we think then it's a power contest. That God's given us power, and He's given Satan power, so we got to power up. we got to get our power worked up. we got to get our power more powerful than Satan's power. Because whoever has the most power is the one who's going to win the battle. So that's why you'll see Christians, they'll, they, they, they can't overcome the enemy until they've been to a prayer meeting. Or they can't overcome the enemy until they get a feeling. Or they can't overcome the enemy until they get a word. Now, there's nothing wrong. We love prayer meetings. I love them. They're wonderful. There's nothing wrong with Holy Ghost feelings. I love it when those doodads go up and down your back. Anybody know what the doodads are? I love it when that happens. And I love it when somebody, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, gives me a word. I love that. But sometimes when the devil comes knocking with fear, there ain't no word, nobody to give a word. And there ain't no doodads. 
And there's no feelings. There's none of that. And, and you think, well, I ain't got any power. I ain't got any power. I ain't got any power. But that's not what this scripture says. If you read it, it's correct in the New, in the New Living Translation. Go back to Luke chapter 10, verse number 17, 19. Luke chapter 10, verse number 19 in the New Living Translation. Let's go to the NLT, Jamie. Luke 10, verse 19 in the NLT. Look, I have given you... Now, notice what he says. In the King James, he said, I've given you power over all the power of the enemy. He says, in the New Living Translations, and it's correct, he says, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. In the King James, he says, I've given you power over all the power. So you think i got to power up. It's equal. i got to get more power than Satan's got. No, no. He says, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. That's what he says. There's two words in the Greek for the word power. There's the words dunamis, which means where we get our word dynamite or explosive power. But then there's the word exousia, which means authority, right to act. And this scripture, it says, Behold, I give you the exousia, the authority, over all the dunamis of the enemy. You say, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, let me tell you the big deal about that. How many of you, I don't know if you do, you know who I'm getting ready, some of you will, who I'm getting ready to reference. But if you drive down on Monday through Friday, when school's in session, if you drive down Memorial and get to MTCS, Middle Tennessee Christian School. Anybody know where Middle Tennessee Christian School? If you leave here and go down toward Memorial, down toward the city, MTCS is on the left. Everybody know where that is? Well, if you don't know where the... There's a Dairy Queen down. You know where the Dairy Queen is? Everybody knows where the Dairy Queen is. Well, it's MTCS is right across the street from the Dairy Queen. And if you go down there in the morning when school is, people are bringing their children to school, or in the afternoon when people are picking up their children, memorials are very busy. They told us several years ago that over 25,000 cars passed our church every single day. Over 25. And that was about five to eight years ago. Now it's probably close to 30,000 cars pass our church. So memorials are a very busy street. Get down there, it's even more busy. If you go down through there, at school, getting out or going time, they're at the major crossing where cars come out of MTCS, Middle Tennessee Christian School. There's this crossing guard. And she is not six foot five CrossFit world champion. She's five foot something and probably weighs a hundred pounds. And she stands out there in the middle of the road, directing traffic. And I love the way she directs, because she just doesn't go, come on, come on, come on. She does it this way. Anybody ever seen her? Sometimes she wears different kind of hats, but I mean, she's always doing this. And the other day I was going down through there, and she did one of these. 
and I was driving my car, and it has 350 horsepower, and I brought it to a stop. And coming the other way was a dump truck, and when she did this, he brought that dump truck to a stop. And then she directed the traffic coming out of the school to go on. And I sat there and I thought, why did I stop? She doesn't have the power or the ability to stop me. And that dump truck, it would squash her in a heartbeat. You know why we stop? Not because of her power, but because of her authority. See, see, the value of authority rests in who backs your authority. And the truth is this. If you're driving down Memorial when MTCS is getting out and she does one of these, and you don't stop, you know what? She's not coming after you. Because she doesn't have the ability or the power to come after you. She's backed by the Murfreesboro Police Department. That's where she gets her authority. And they're coming after you. You say, well, I believe they need to defund the police. Well, if you believe that, understand. That's okay. You believe whatever you want to believe. But you know who they're backed by. If you don't listen to them, you know who's coming after you? The Tennessee Highway Patrol. Because the Murfreesboro Police Department gets their authority, the value of their authority, rests in the authority of the state. You say, well, they're only on the interstates, they're not going to bug me. If you don't do what they say, you know what? It comes federal then, and the National Guard comes after you. You mean for running the stop, the little lady that's doing this? They'll come get you. And if you try to hide from them, then the army... And then if they can't find you, they'll bring in the SEAL team, the Marines. And if they can't find you, listen, you don't want the FBI because you're guilty. They'll lie about everything. All right? What I'm trying to say here is when the Lord said, Behold, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. You don't have to power up. We're not in a power contest. You've already been given the authority... And your authority is as good as the power behind that authority. And it's the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not a power contest. In fact, let me, let me, let's just finish with this. Look with me at Colossians chapter 2, verses 10 through 15. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. Then I'll read one verse through other translations. So you also are complete through your union with Christ. Talking to we Christians, you're complete in Christ, who is the head of every ruler and authority. Notice, he's the head of every authority. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised... Christ from the dead. You were dead, verse 13 says, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. For He forgave all your sins. 
He canceled the record of the charges against us by, and took it, nailing it away by, uh, and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Verse 15. In this way, now notice what he says. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authority. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. These spiritual entities and rulers, these demonic spirits that brings the spirit of fear upon us, the Bible says Jesus has already disarmed them. It's not a matter of us powering up against their power. It's a matter of us exercising our authority that Jesus has already exhibited over them. Let me me give you another. Let's read it this way. Look at the NIV, Colossians 2.15 in the NIV. It says, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing them over them by the cross. Look at the Phillips translation. The Phillips translation says it this way, and then having drawn the sting of all the powers ranged against us, he exposed them, he shattered them, he emptied and defeated them in his final glorious triumphant Look at the Amplified Version. When he disarmed the rulers and authorities, those supernatural forces of evil operating against us, he made a public example of them, exhibiting them as captives in his triumphant processional, having triumphed over them through the cross. Look at the Message Translation. I love this one. All sins forgiven. The slate wiped clean. The old arrest warrant canceled and nailed to uh, the old arrest warrant canceled and nailed to Christ's cross. He stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross and marched them naked through the streets. Listen, this ain't a power contest. Satan has no power when it comes to the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I must have a firm belief when the spirit of fear comes on us. No, 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 no. I'm not going to give in to that deception. I don't have to pray this thing up. I don't have to sing this thing up. I just need to use the authority that the Lord has given me. And when you by faith use your authority and speak to that spirit of fear, it ignites the dynamite power of God on the inside of you and works wonders in your behalf. But you've got to use your authority. You've got to use your authority. The King James says, he spoiled principalities and powers. That word spoiled means brought to naught. He brought to naught principalities and powers. And then it says, and made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. He spoiled Jesus Christ spoiled, brought to naught these principalities and powers that you and I wrestle with, that bring the spirit of fear upon us. Jesus brought to naught. He spoiled them, principalities and powers, made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Triumphing over them in it. Triumphing over them in it. That Do you you understand Jesus... Uh, the Apostle Paul is using a Roman military term when he says triumphing over them in it. See, when a Roman general would go out commissioned, 
commissioned by Caesar. When a Roman general would go out commissioned by Caesar and take enemy territory, they would bring back the king of that territory and they would parade him as a public embarrassment in the streets of Rome. And then the Senate of Rome would vote a triumph. They would vote for the general to have a parade of ecstasy, of adoration, of proclamation. And literally what Jesus is saying here is that Jesus Christ spoiled principalities and powers. He didn't do it in a closet. He didn't do it secretly. He paraded the defeated devil across the heavenlies so that all the angels and the devils understand that he's an embarrassed, he's a shamed foe. And when you and I, when you and I use the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ and speak to that fear, what we are doing is we are rehearsing that wonderful triumph, that celebration of what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary for us. That's why you and I must have a firm belief, not a feeling, a firm belief that the power of God lives on the inside of us. And when fear attacks, you rise up and say, no, no, I have the authority over you in Jesus' name, and I'm not going to surrender to you. Amen? All right. Uh, stand with me, would you? Now, that's just one of the ingredients. You got love and a sound mind. Love, I'll get that sometime. Sound mind, you'll need to get my book that's coming out. All right? All right? I want to thank you for coming today. Uh, we are told that uh, we have three of our church family uh, that uh, have, are infected with the COVID. We have a church of a little over 1,500. We did before COVID hit. Over 1,500 people were calling Family Worship Center their home church. Um, right now, we know as of Friday, this past Friday, we have three people infected. And now with statistics, that's pretty good, three out of 1,500. Um, but one of them is in the hospital. So um, we want to pray for these people right now. We want to pray. And you know people who are infected, or you have work peers people that's infected. Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. So we're going to pray right now that these people that we know, that we're familiar with, that are infected with this terrible virus, are going to receive the healing power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the medications and those in the hospital that are being treated, it's going to hit the mark. And it's going to accomplish. All right? Would you join me, Father, in the name of Jesus? We pray for our church family who are now quarantined or in the hospital because of this terrible virus. We pray that the medicine will do its work. The treatment will hit its mark. And we ask you to cooperate with that, the natural and the supernatural, bringing healing and recovery for our family. Now, Father, for all of our friends and relatives of some of our church people who are also infected with this terrible disease, we pray your healing power now to work in their bodies. In the name of Jesus.
Now, Father, no evil shall befall these precious people. No plague, no COVID, no disease, no plague can come now. This coming week, no terror, no terrorists can come close to them. Their cars are not going to be hijacked. Their houses are not going to be broken into. Accident or injury is not coming close to them because the angels of God encamp about them in all their ways. I thank you that they're a blessed people and a protected people. In the name of Jesus, amen. God bless. Have a great week. We love you.